This week on Dig Me Out. Please give me a towel. Mr. Tangerine Speedo. You're all over town. Tangerine la 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 la. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. If you don't want to spell dig me out, just use the initials DMO. There's less characters. <laughs> Not as much We're typing. We're to make things easy for you. We made it as literally as we could go DMOU, but I think that's probably taken already by... Um, <laughs> I don't know who. Some abbreviation of some some company or band or somebody. Or Jay can get that one and we can add it to our portfolio of URLs. You keep making them up on, so I have to go get them because DMOU. You say it wrong and I'm like, well, somebody's going to go search for that. I guess. Can I we just get, get uh, Patreon dot, or uh, just dig me dot period out? Can we make out no, instead of come? <laughs> who would ever know to use dot out? <laughs> me alright so Jay you know what time it is what time is it it's time to review an album 8/11. with a patron well no it's 9-11 Jay I don't know what you're talking about uh, with your, your crazy central time living in the past joining us he's been here before we'll let him rattle off the albums that he's joined us for previously Whitney Beeler welcome back thanks for having me what you what what have you been here before okay so I made a list this time yes all right I was on the power pop in the 90s uh episode Mm -hmm. I was on the sophomore slump episode with third eye blind Mm -hmm. I had you guys review Tori's wonderful life and you guys gave it a worthy album and then you trashed my dreams when I told you about Human Radio, and you said that was a better EP. <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. And we got actually like feedback from members of Human Radio on that episode, if I recall. Yeah, you did. You did. That's right. I said they were like, uh, uh, what did I call them? I think I called them disgruntled or something. So I don't know. His lyrics were just suicidal. So, well, that was a year ago. And now it's it's time to see if this uh, continued decline from Worthy Album to Better EP falls <laughs> into a decent single, or if it uh, rebounds back to a Worthy Album. Can you tell everyone what record, or CD, I guess in this case, this was not released on vinyl, so CD-only release, what CD you picked for this episode I picked the 2000 album, self-titled album by Caviar. Hold on a second. Did you say 2000? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I did. I used the whatever that uh, exemption rule was. The the uh, the uh, what, Marvelous Three exemption. The Marvelous I used Three it. Exemption. I exercised it. You and you it is, stretched uh, that. You stretched the Marvelous <laughs> Three extension as about as far as it will go. By the way, I'm gonna well, defend myself because I. 
Jay was talking way back when about, boy, I wish we had more 1990s albums, <laughs> 1990 albums. So I picked Human Radio because that was right at the beginning of the decade. So I felt I was owed this. And to be fair, this is, uh, according to at least Apple Music's release notes, it's January 1st, two, so 2000. Yeah. So you're there just you right there. there. And I picked this one because I have no idea how you two are going to respond to it. And I wanted to see just what was going to happen. So, And this also was eligible, eligible, not because it was released one day after the 2000s, but also because two members of Figdish, a very, I'm not going to say, well-known within the alternative music community, Chicago band, uh, two members of Blake and Mike from Figdish are in this band. So... That gets that's yes. the very tenuous exemption for our, for caviar. If I, uh, I, I I won't do it again, I won't do it again. No, it's all right. I think we've established the baseline though. The minimum baseline is fifty percent of your band had to have been in a band in the nineties if you did not release an album as a band in the nineties. I think that's have, a good rule. I think if you have, if you have less than fifty percent, if just like one guy. Then and it's you've never released an album in the nineties. It's no, we're gonna have to <laughs> have to shut that down. We gotta. There's got to be rules, gentlemen. We're trying to have a society here. I mean, we're trying to like. <laughs> I, I think that's a good rule. I think we should go with that. <laughs> um, how did you discover Caviar? Uh, I don't really remember. I I I bought the album when it was was released. I'm thinking it was one of those things that I heard in a record store again. And I just was like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And I just bought it and played the hell out of it for a couple of months and then put it on my shelf and never listened to it again. So interesting. One of those types of deals. Oh, I guess I've played around, played it, you know, with it every now and then and (laughs) or played it every now and then. But, uh, it's, it, it just was one I just stumbled across. I don't even know if I knew they were in fig dish actually. Wow. When I bought it, yeah. Oh, when you bought it. Got it. Uh, Jay, I feel like you've owned this record. Do you own this record? No. No? I don't think so. You don't have this this CD? I don't think so. The album cover is very familiar. Yeah. I don't remember ever hearing it. Oh, I feel like maybe uh, someone I know then. Maybe Keith or... Yeah, maybe. Did somebody have a poster or was it like up in a somewhere like a poster up somewhere we used to go out of the album cover is very familiar that's what i thought i was like oh this is in jay's pile of of uh bargain <laughs> cds that he picked up no yeah i like the album cover i i uh, maybe you guys are just used to maybe you have pictures of yourself standing by private jets or something maybe that's we do have a lot of that i'm not gonna lie yeah. we did spend a lot of time in our stepford five days traveling by private jet so <laughs> um I I vaguely remember this band. I remember uh, the – so the song Tangerine Speedo was used in a movie. I think it was Charlie's Angels. And if you, uh, Tangerine Speedo, no. It was in uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Sorry, Gone in 60 Seconds. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I've got that confused. You are correct. Oh, I am correct? Okay. It, yes, it was also in Cat in the Hat. Okay. The one oh. with Michael Myers. So it was oh, my two, gosh. Actually. I know. But there is a song that was used in um, "Gone in 60 Seconds." You're right about that. Yeah, that was that was Sugarless. That That's this this album was pushed hard by um, Island Records, mm-hmm. and 
so it had multiple soundtrack placements. Tangerine Speedo has over half a million spins on Spotify, which for a fairly obscure band from 2000, that's not bad to have 600,000 and plus spins. You know, I'm surprised that it has 600 or 60,000, let alone 600,000. Um, so. Let's do a little history of the band because I think it's important to explain who they were. History of the band. Blake Smith and Mike Willison were in the band Fig Dish. That lasted. I want to say they got they got together in the early '90s, and then they broke up around '98. I think they put out two records. Yep. Which it were, was uh, they were together four or five years, right? And they had a record. That's what love songs often do. Was the first record, and the other one was uh, the really weirdly titled uh, one. Uh, when when shove, shove goes back to push. Yeah, yeah, ninety five and ninety seven. So, mm-hmm. I guess around ninety seven, this band forms. Originally, they were titled Cartoon Boyfriend, and then they changed the name in two thousand with, uh, I guess, the signing to Island and. The other two members, so you got Blake Smith, who's singing, and then Mike Willison is the bassist. They bring in Dave Sue on guitar and Jason Batchko on drums and put out this record on Island. It actually, I show it coming out in August, Jay. Where are you getting the, the January number? I see. I've seen both. I've seen January and I've seen August in two different. Pl- I've seen it in two different places. So I, there seems to be some confusion there around when it was actually released. Yeah, back off, Tim. Okay. I've seen it. I've just actually seen it in two places because I was going to say, "Hey, I got this album request in, and it was January first, and then I saw it was August in another, and I thought maybe those guys aren't going to let me talk about this record." So, <laughs> Jay Lyon. They did release a second album called The Thin Mercury Sound in 2004. The single for this record, Tangerine Speedo, made it to number 28 on the Billboard Hot Modern Rock Tracks. They only lasted until 2004, and then they've gone on to do other bands. Um, Smith and Willison were both in a project with Scott Lucas of Local H called the Prairie Cartel. And they've basically all they've gone on to do other bands um, currently. So I for, Jay, did we get any comments over at uh, Patreon? You got one. Yeah, there was one that I saw from Steven. Do you have that up, Jay? I'm going. Because I don't. Give me a second. I forgot. It was a link. It was a lengthy comment. Cool. Jay can read that one. All right. Let me give me a second. (laughs) Come on, Jay. The people are waiting. You'll edit it out. (laughs) I'll put it at the end. When when the hell is it? Do people know that I put stuff at the end of episodes that I've trimmed out? I put it after the music at the after the music fades out, and I put little extra bonus stuff back there. I wonder if anybody notices that. I think I've noticed it. I, I don't. Or I don't recall. What do you do? 
when I, when we have like funny like flubs, sometimes okay. I will cut them out of the episode, but I'll throw them in at the at the very end as like a little hidden track behind the music when it fades out. Huh, like did a hidden track. You you didn't know that. We've been doing this for 10 years and you've never <laughs> discovered. <laughs> I yeah. think I may have heard a couple here and there. I just kn- didn't know you were doing it regularly. No, not regularly. You know, once a month. Okay. Um, All right, I got the comment. But yeah, it's a hidden track. It's the 90s. You got to have a hidden track. Go nice. ahead, Jay. What's, your, what's our comment? But, you know, we have to leave like 35 minutes of silence. That's true. I sh- <laughs> Every yeah, episode is three up. hours, but some of them are actually only 45 minutes with. People all love like downloading one terabyte of podcast files to listen to. <laughs> Put like 50 three hours of silence. 53 second tracks on it, you know. <laughs> so your CD player keeps going 51, 52, 53. Oh my gosh. That actually happened. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Stephen, if I'm being honest, I've always wanted to like this band more than I actually do. And that's simply because of how much I love Fig Dish. In revisiting this, I was really hoping something had changed for me since it had been at least five years or more. In the DMO spirit, I even pulled the CD off the shelf to give it an authentic spin. All right, Stephen. However, the results are ultimately the same. And I think it just boils down to the inflated levels of sass and silliness to, at play here. Uh, all while trying to attain the cool, in quote marks. I don't know. It's obviously self-aware, but at the end of the day, there's just something about it that doesn't vibe with me. And this is coming from someone who loves Midnight Vultures. Uh, At its worst, I think this album gets dangerously close to some shameful pop-punk-sounding stuff, and I won't name any names, but it's not good. As always, anxious to hear... The review and curious if you all will offer some added perspective on this or if I'll just continue to be the hater. Hmm. Can, can I comment on that? Okay. So here's the deal. I don't know if Steven is hinting about a remark I made about liking a song by Lit in the Power Pop in the 90s episode. Do you think that's what he's hinting at? I don't know what band. Oh, uh, no. What? You don't think don't, so? No, I think I know okay. what he's talking about and I'll get to it in my. Okay, because I was going to say, I looked on the pages for related artists to Caviar, and Lit is not mentioned anywhere. No. So <laughs> that was, I remember I just got skewered for saying that one in that episode. And I was like, oh, no, Stephen didn't remember that, did he? No. No, that's not it. All right. Let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about what we liked, what worked and what didn't work. Jay, tell me one thing. That worked for you on Caviar's self-titled 2000 album. Well, there's no doubt this is an ambitious record. Um, at the core, it sounds like, um, to me, a power pop band, or at least a some form of you know poppy hard rock band that uh, was really pushing to 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 go somewhere different. Um, so there's a lot of interesting um combinations of kind of like production techniques and samples um a lot of interesting editing um use of like kind of kitschy 50s things here and there like samples and sounds and noises and stuff mixed with what at times is either 
you know, a fairly hooky, you know, melodic rock sound and some enormous guitars. So I think the thing that I liked the best about the band is when they were, you know, more in that, I think probably is what more comfortable for them um, in that a little bit more straightforward, um, a little bit on the more jangly side, even though they don't get super jangly, but a little bit more relaxed and still fun, but not, um, uh, I guess, goofy. Um, and then there's some some great moments where, you know, you've got these huge choruses of guitars that are just, uh, you know, a wall, um, which sounds pretty awesome. You know, so sonically, there's definitely some really good moments. I think from a, just a songwriting standpoint, um, there, there's a couple um, of good moments here. And then there's definitely a lot of um, at least interesting and, you know, maybe late, typical of, of some stuff that was going on in the late 90s um, sounding explorations um, as well. So I I did dig the production on this a lot. You mentioned about the the throwbacks. There's like a Tropicalia sound on yeah. one of the rec- one of the songs. And I was really curious like who produced this because it it's very unique sounding in that way for especially for like 2000. I mean there are some of the you know one or two of the tracks has like a like a back midnight vultures feel. And then, and then like you said, he gets into a very power pop punk pop yep. sort of sound. So the name of the producer is Johnny K, which is the nickname for, um, Johnny Carcazias, I think is how you pronounce his name, but he's, he runs, he owns groove master recording studio in Chicago, which a lot of bands in Chicago and, and not just Chicago, a lot of bands in general record there. It, it's a pretty big deal studio. If you look at the rest of his production, it's almost all metal. It's like Finger Eleven, Mushroom Head, Disturbed, um, Three Doors Down. <laughs> it's crazy. There's there's Kill Hannah. Remember that band? Um, stained. You know what I mean? Mm. Trapped. Yeah. Mega <laughs> Death. Trapped with a T. Trapped with a T. Uh, Pop Evil. With two T's, I mean. Alien Ant Farm. So I like Alien Ant. But the point is, like, this is an outlier in this band, in this in this production repertoire. There's almost nothing like this. So it's interesting to hear those big guitars because I think if you tuned them down a little bit. You'd yeah. be getting some pretty heavy sounds out of these guitars because they're, they're they're really huge on some of these songs. But I did dig, you know, like on Tangerine Speedo, it's got that like I mentioned that like, and you said it's got this like fifties Tropicalia sample that's going on, and that's not the only one. There's like there's other spots where either like you know it, you know what it reminded me of. Um, like the first track, Okay Nightmare. Yeah. It's got that drum beat that sounds like it's the soundtrack from Ocean's Eleven, uh, that David Holmes does. Where it's 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 that sixties like lounge yeah. sound.
obviously they amp it up with guitars and and it's huge but i liked that combination of this very rhythmic bed that they were building these songs on that i would say like half the record is is really using some cool percussion and and cool drum patterns that recall these very classic sounding things from you know at this point it's like 40 years prior and they're reinterpreting them in a way that is pretty unique and then the you mentioned about the editing there's some really cool choices in terms of like how things come in and drop out and and it just sounds like a well put together collection of songs in that regard in in terms of the music and in terms of how everything is built there's there's a good amount of diversity like you start out when you take a song like Tangerine Speedo or Goldmine, which have these like big, loud hooks, and then you take a song like the last track, "I Am the Monument," which has a much dreamier feel to it. I dug the some of the chances that they took when they weren't pushing the power pop end, and when they pushed a little bit more in in like a bigger rock, bigger in terms of like getting away from power pop punk. And playing around a little bit more with less commercial sounds for what would be, you know, 2000. I understand power pop, pop punk was huge. Not power pop, but pop punk was huge uh, around this time. So I definitely dug some of the album stuff that was not in that direction. You said you had occasionally gone back to this record. What are the things you enjoy most about it? Well, I mean, I think you guys both touched on a lot of the things I like about it. It's so weird, but weird, like not weird that I can't listen to. It's just super melodic, right? Which I always like. And man, the guitars on it are just so huge. And uh, a lot of the songs that, you know, you'll have like a mid-tempo song and they'll just be these like tumbling power chords during the chorus that are just massive. Um, but it's weird, even with all the, like the studio fun and stuff they're having, I think the best song on it for me is, is, um, look so hard. I nearly wrecked my eyes. It's like, I think it's the slowest track in the record, but the guitars just drive the hell out of the song. And it, it's just, uh, I think sometimes it's a little bit too brash for me some of the songs but um it's nice to hear something kind of raucous and upbeat instead of uh, instead of all the brooding and moping all the time with some of these 90s artists and stuff it's just uh it's just fun okay nightmare is a good opener and i i don't i don't know how much you want to touch on the songs now or not but like tangerine speedo's got great drum fills in it um i i think some of the songs like 
a couple of the songs like Automatic Yawns or Flood Like a Diamond are kind of samey, but I think it could use a resequencing a little bit, but I think that it's just a fun record with like just massive guitars. And there's a lot of good harmonies in it as well. So I, I, it's not Fig Dish, but I think it actually kind of makes Fig Dish more fun. Uh, so that's why I like it. What about the lyrics? Okay, so so I can say some. So how can you knock an album with a song that 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 rhymes Shaft with anti-aircraft with Rough Draft and William Howard Taft? Not to mention, like I put these in the comments on the website, and I kind of shouldn't have done that ahead of time. Not to mention, there's hypotenuse, caboose, put me to use, and vamoose. So I mean, that's I like I said, that's poetry, man. That is poetry. I found it a little distracting. <laughs> well, sure, it's distracting, but I just said it's it's brash and it's a fun record. It's not, you know, so it's not so depressing and it's just they're out there. Just it's just they're raising hell with the songs. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I it wasn't the whole record, but like a song like Goldmine, I was like, this sounds like Blink One Eighty Two, which I am not a huge yeah, fan could you, of. Could you guys tell me what do you? I mean, what do you think Goldmine is about? I'm lost. I have no idea what he's singing about. I think he just no. found a lot of stuff to rhyme about. That's really. Actually, kind of silly. Actually, I think you ripped off a Jerry Reed song. Remember the guy in Smokey and the Bandit? Oh yeah, oh, I love Jerry Reed. Yes, he has a song called "She Got the Gold Mine, I Got the Shaft." I mean, that's obviously copped from that, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So interesting, I mean, Mr. Obvious, Mr. Obvious here, but I'm just throwing that out there. that sound like blink 182 i didn't think it did at all i, could, I didn't either i i've lyrically the lyrical content oh okay oh, okay yeah. okay like to me that's right. like so, fits in right in there in that era of blink 182 which is why yeah, i think I, this record is like split because there's like these dumb punk pop <laughs> not dumb but just like because that's not actually dumb i just it's not something i would want to listen to over and over again now if i was like 17 maybe i would think that that's the coolest thing ever well i'm still 17 in my head so that's <laughs> sure yeah right but i i never yeah, had I a get, pop punk I face you, so I, I get yeah i don't really and you know i mean contrary to what most people i don't really like blink 182 and some of that stuff where they just kind of said a lot of dumb stuff like, you know just i don't know just make the lyrics as filthy as you can. I just kind of shied away from that a little bit. But, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with hypotenuse and caboose and, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, that's – I like that. <laughs> Jay, did you have any issue yeah. with lyrics or anything? Uh, Goldmine, yeah. I 
I, I was thrown by that one. Just it gets a little over the board, overboard goofy, um, as well as Tangerine Speedo. And I think the album is front loaded with, to me, the little like cheesier side of the band. Uh, and it's also the more experimental side. So I'm more, I think, thrown by the combination of kind of this retro ish vibe, like this kitschy kind of like 60s 50s thing mixed with big weezer-esque guitars at times sounds like a couple bands that i don't think you they intended to sound like so i i heard at the beginning of okay nightmare smash mouth walking on the sun Ah. Um, and on good times are over i heard a little sugar ray Um, so those were two bands that also used those elements. Um, and, and I don't think this band is intending for that, but when you mix those things together, I think that over those streams cross, let's put it that way. So I, I felt like it's an interesting sequencing too, because I feel like it gets, it's more, like I said, experimental and goofy on the first half of the record. And then they, pretty much settle in by the middle and towards the second half you know there's a couple tracks like sugarless and automatic yawns to me sound like local h riffs um and sonically oh, gosh, that's sound true, a lot yeah. like that's local true. h yeah and, yeah and i think the two best songs on the record are look so hard i nearly wrecked my eyes and i am the monument which really have very little to do with, I think the first half of the record at all. Like they're very, like they seem band oriented. They're fairly sincere. Like, you know, I look so hard to me is just a pretty classic sounding power pop song, you know, and that's where the jangly side of the band comes through even a little bit. Monument, I think, is their best, like pushing the boundaries, you know, using dynamics to build um, and layer and create like a really soaring chorus and kind of experiment and push things, but not go to the point where it becomes goofy. It's interesting. It's almost like sonically, it sounds like the same band, but like the approach is so different on the second half of the record and, and gets so distant from what you start with um it's notable i I, i'm I'm wondering what if that was on purpose or it just happened that way but it's to me i I definitely noticed that that sort of progression as you get through the record do you guys notice that at all yeah i i I have to say i i think you're right like this they border on and you guys are kind of being polite with saying they're experimental and kind of being retro or or however you phrased it which is good but for me they they're pushing the limit of just making it a novelty. You know what I mean? It's getting yeah, so close yeah. to being, it's like so close to God, I can't even think of a band. 
it's almost ugly kid, kid Joe or psycho stick or something. I mean, they're getting so yeah. close to being uh, novelty, but they just hold back enough for me, um, even with the silly rhymes and things like that. But Tangerine Speedo to me is a novelty song. Like that is a agreed. Yeah, agreed. Those were and those were all over the radio in the late nineties. Like mm-hmm. as soon as I heard this, I was like. I have no doubt that this was played on the radio and I'm surprised it wasn't even bigger than it was because this is exactly the kind of shit that they were looking for. Like a little bit quirky, weird, huge chorus, like funny lyric, like the, towards the the later 90s and early 2000s, like when Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray and all those bands were, you know, successful. That's the kind of shit yeah. they were looking for. Yeah. Now, I like to think of these guys a little bit closer to, well, like you guys said, Beck or um, uh, Cake, maybe. Oh, uh, Cake, yeah. And, uh, you know, I you can hear a little cheap trick in there. Um, Death Ray was another band I really liked. That was about the 2000s. That was really good. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, if I if I could really stretch it, there's a couple songs where they remind me of like the glammiest Marilyn Manson song I've ever heard. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just I I had Marilyn Manson too. Like did sugar, you? Okay. Sugarless. Yeah. There's a section of Sugarless where it gets. Oh God, that's you're right. Marilyn that's it. Manson. Yeah. So that's kind of where they land with me. I didn't really think about the potential Smash Mouth comparison, which kind of makes me kind of wince a little bit. But uh, that's fine. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't looking. As that song started, I was like, "Man, this sounds familiar." And I was like, "Oh God." Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's where Steven was coming from, too. We'll see in the comments. That but. could be. I just got so self uh, uh, self-conscious there when he said that. I was like, no, not that statement again. <laughs> um, I did notice that they start a lot of the songs when they use those sort of very specific drum parts. Like it's like they start the song with that. And then I think the, the trouble I had is that a lot of times those get abandoned. Like, yeah, they don't utilize what is unique and then they just go into the big guitars. And I would have liked to have heard them. I think, you know, I know what you're getting at as far as like, this is what was this, is what you needed for a hit. But I think a more satisfying record that makes a little more sense would have been to dial back on some of the stuff so that not every song needed a gigantic, you know, massive wall of, of guitars. And, and that's sort of what happens towards the end of the record. So I'm conflicted because I like the sound of everything, but I just don't know if I like the way that they're arranged as individual songs. It sounds like we are liking and disliking completely opposite aspects of this band, which is unusual. Usually we're we're more aligned. I mean, I would rather hear them, which I suspect I'm guessing, but I suspect just based on listening to the whole record and what seems to be the foundation is, is that most of this material was written on guitar, fairly traditional sounding pop rock songs. And then they went, and broke them up and sort of experimented with like how to do them differently production wise. And yeah, that's maybe to me, I I could very well see like, that's how you end up with like, Oh, we figured out this cool intro and like how to do the verse and how to do these breaks. But 
yeah, when the chorus comes, we're still going to want to keep the big guitar thing. And then basically right. then the song just ends up being that way. And, and I, I think that's why. Yeah. Like the second half of the record where it's it almost that production stuff fizzles out like they're like this. It almost it feels like when you're listening to the record of like not only was I exhausted of hearing it, like they almost got exhausted doing it. It was like, oh, fuck it. Just record the song. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did forever. <laughs> I did see all music had a review that the, the reviewer on that site said that what I thought was um, interesting was he compared them to urge overkill also, which I can okay. see. Yeah. So that, yeah. That was kind of interesting too. So yeah. See, I the the aspects that I like, which are those oddball things, make me think if you could just strip those guitars down a little bit. Just what? In, Blasphemy. Just, no, just oh, on I love certain those guitars. Oh my god. Just on certain songs, not every song, but just Stop. on certain songs, push like the stereo lab aspect of of those songs. Like, give me the kitschy French, well, you know pop end of the things just on like two or three of the songs so there's a little more variety well i I will say i will agree that if you're gonna go push the boundaries then go push the boundaries right exactly like this feels like they're dipping their toe toe in the water to try some stuff here and there and not fully committing to just being weird like yeah if you want to take a pop power pop songs and then deconstruct them and present them in a totally different way than like commit to that. And I think what it sounds like here is it's kind of half measure. It's like, well, well, we'll redo some intros and some verses and some of the songs will be weird. We'll put some samples in, but for the most part, like we'll just split the difference and still do like big Weezer choruses. Right. They're half which, stepping and you can't half step. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, I mean, clearly they, like you said in the beginning, it was they were trying to make a hit record too, right? So, and what was popular was songs like Tangerine Speedo at the time, and and that had a lot of influence on a bunch of the other tracks too. For me, the ones that I seem to gravitate towards, and I mentioned "Look So Hard," that's a great song to me. And you're right, the jangles there, but the chorus guitars are just nuts the way they just push the song. But uh, and they're not like super power chords either. They're just I don't know what they are. They just really move the song nice and like going out tonight and the good times are over. Those are mid tempo songs too, but they're, they're the, the chords in the chorus just are just, they just, they're these tumbling kind of chords that just, you know, just big wall of chords. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, Tim said, which is cool to me. I could use a little less of the, the kind of smarmy pseudo sexiness of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, because you're right. It does feel at times like they, hey, this cool sample, let's put it in here and get the song started. And then by half time, halfway through the song, you're like, yeah, we kind of forgot about adding that to the tune. So, <laughs> right. yeah, but I mean, I still, all of these songs are, other than a couple I could dump like automatic yawns and maybe flood like a diamond, they're kind of samey. I could probably trim those two out and wouldn't make any difference to me. But um, yeah, good, good stuff. Just um, like, like, uh, Tim said it, 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 some of them get a little samey, so I understand. I get where he's coming from there. Yeah, I reacted to the uh, chord choice and looks so hard as well. It's definitely um, less power chordy. It's more open, fuller chords, and it you definitely get this. It's still big like some of the others, but it just sounds more richer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Some of the other riffs are just so power chordy that they sound a little dumb, especially when you try to do the 
you know, the sophisticated editing or putting in these like, you know, unexpected twists and turns. And then you go to these fairly straightforward power chords. It, it's so blunt that, yeah, I definitely, I thought that, uh, looks so hard. just sonically even sounded great. So I don't recall this band being played on the radio here where we were. Do you? Uh, no, I mean, Tangerine Speedo sounds vaguely familiar. Um, I just feel like this was a band that like, like you said, that got some serious marketing behind them. And we probably saw the, the posters up in record stores and stuff. And that that's my familiarity with them. I don't, really strongly remember the the song yeah so i i know that there were bands like this that were getting play in 2000 oh yeah yeah like i have um i just went through my 2000s quickly just to see what i have that's similar and i came up with the, the drowners axes coward and mars electric which were all sort of on the the rock side of this band Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they were doing this the experimental part, but definitely when this band just sounds like a rock band, a lot of the the bands I just listed were very much in this yeah this wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, I for me, I just I actually really like <laughs> the two thousands two thousand five six. I like a lot of the music in there more than I really like. This is a dangerous statement to make on a nineties podcast. More than I do like the grunge stuff that we were just overwhelmed with the 92 93 94 sure i I kind of like i like the pop pop punk stuff i it hurts to say that when i know i'm talk i'm referencing sugar ray and smash mouth and some of those bands (laughs) that i don't like that i don't like but they're in there along with the ones i do like like you mentioned the xes who only had an album or two which i kind of liked um and uh the um the downer drowners i'm sorry yep. they were cool there was a band out there called ridlin kids that i liked but it was a lot of this really hard pushing yep. you know really heavy guitars but super melodic it was kind of before all of the pop punk bands like cartel and and uh oh my god um i'm totally blacking out now um some of these quiet drive some of those bands it's before them it was it was uh early like marvelous three type stuff too yeah so anyways that's where i fit them so jay yes where do you land on caviar is this a scrumptious delicacy this is no. where the album better ep decent you're not, you're single not, I, I you're not gonna hurt my feelings i, uh, I just <laughs> no i'm laughing at the uh, i had sent tim uh Earlier, when I was bringing the album up to listen to it, I was sending him some of the search results you get when you search for caviar now. Uh, I would just suggest anybody go to Spotify or Apple Music and just enter in caviar and you'll just find see the artists and the things they suggest. Bands. Yeah, <laughs> Russian boy bands and an artist named Cocaine, all kinds <laughs> of fun stuff. Um, <laughs> I am I'm an EP. Um, I I like. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I'm the monument. It looks so hard, I nearly wrecked my eyes. Uh, I liked Flawed but Like a Diamond. That was one of the few, like, experimental in that it uses that, like, heavy lo-fi 8-bit keyboard thing. But um, I just thought the, the chorus was pretty huge, and um, it just had a lot of good melody. Um, and I thought I was found was another song that, that I was mm-hmm. okay with. 
Um, so yeah, I'm at uh, those four. I could take maybe automatic yawns or sugarless too, um, and do like a four or five song EP. Yeah, I'm at the same because I because of the songs that I like the weirdness don't go fully weird. Um, I probably don't want to revisit them. So I'm probably in the same ballpark in terms of the songs that I would want for my EP. I really do like those last two songs a lot. And uh, even though they're so different than the rest of the record, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just, it's just what you want out of this record. If, if you want more of the power pop, big guitar stuff and less of the kitschy uh, samples and, and, overproduction in some respects then you you're probably gonna have a different perspective than wanting to push the experimental end and you know hear them play around a little bit more in like a vein of back or stereo lab or something like that so i'm also at an ep whitney so i see where you guys are coming from i obviously think this is a worthy album and it's mostly because I put this out there for you guys because I thought it would be a fun one to talk about because it's so different, but not different in that you can't like find a hook or find a melody, obviously. They're easy to find. And for me, um, I don't ever play this CD or whatever we want to call it, record. I never play this and skip a track. And even though like uh, Tangerine Speedo gets kind of, there, there are things in that song, like the drum fills and stuff that I like a lot, even though it, the lyrics are corny. There's this novelty that's there, but they, like I said before, they just don't push it enough to like make the song bad for me. I'm like you guys, I like probably the last, the more I've listened to this record, the more I like the last two songs. And I appreciate the slower ones, but they're not even really slow songs. They're mid-tempos with lots of power. Um, and that always that always goes a long way with me. So I wish they cut down on the corniness and smarminess a little bit, but um, I just think it's a, it's, it's, it's what makes the album kind of brash and upbeat and raucous. And I, I like that because there's so much music that we hear that's very uh, just a downer, you know, and I, I like stuff that, that picks you up a little bit, even if it's silly. All right. This is an interesting capper to the, to the decade. I'm glad we got to talk about it. It's sort of it's sort of an amalgamation of what was and what was to become and and the weird space that everything was at in the transition from 99 to 2000. So, I think it's a good addition to our archives of what was going on and who else is listening to this record? <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> who else can but I can find tell you, it. I can I can tell you this. I looked at last FM and the most scrabbled songs today. The top nine most scrabbled songs are all from something called BTS. I don't even know what that is. Apparently, they're popular. Oh, that's that's. Like I guarantee K-pop, you, right? they're not listening to. I guarantee you, they're not listening to Caviar. No. Nope. So whoever BTS are, congratulations. <laughs> is that a that's, that's K- a K-pop K-pop's band? Yeah, yeah, it's a K-pop band. Oh, uh, oh, okay. All right. Well. Yeah, they're. You know they they're like massive around the world except for the United States. Oh really? Okay. 
Yeah. So are they like a menudo type thing or something? I don't know. Uh, you're, yeah. you're digging far too deep than I can answer. I'm, I'm <laughs> dating myself, but I remember something called menudo. It's, that was a bunch of little boys jumping around dancing and singing. Yeah, that's that what Martin. we're talking about. I believe that's what it is. It's a boy I band. I, from... I suppose I could do a Google search on huh? it. That's possible. Uh, I thought it was built to spill for a long time. So. <laughs> I, thought it was, I misread it. I thought it was Bachman Turner Overdrive at first. And I thought, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing this to us, Whitney. Always a yep. pleasure to have Thanks you on. Thanks a lot. Um, if you want to be like Whitney and suggest a record, you can go to digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com for as little as two bucks a month. You can join the union, support the podcast, get cool stickers. Sometimes those stickers include a little bonus. I can say what, but sometimes they do. A little note, a little extra something in there. You can vote in our polls, which are very soon we'll be having a new episode based on a poll that was just completed at Patreon. So join us. And then, of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. So for Jay, I am Tim, and we are out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. Oh,